0: All I want for Christmas. You know, when I was a kid, there was only one way to finish that sentence. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. I mean, that's what we said. That was the song. That's how we sang it. But deep down, I didn't need my two front teeth. I needed a G.I. Joe. I needed Tinker Toys. I needed the Red Rider BB gun with the compass in the stock and the thing that tells time. You had your lists also of the essentials that you had to have. And there were years that you got what you wanted. And there were years that you were disappointed you probably learned to live with your disappointment. And then back in 1994, Mariah Carey gave us a new song. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own, more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> you know, for a For a couple of decades, that song just kind of simmered out there. It was always there, it was always in the background, and then last year, for some reason, that song just exploded. And for the first time in 25 years, it hit the Billboard Top 100 chart. And it is now the best-selling Christmas single by a female recording artist and one of the best-selling songs of all time. And I promise you, you cannot turn on the radio. You cannot click on that Christmas playlist without hearing Mariah Carey singing that song. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. All I want for Christmas is, is you. Is either one of them the right answer? I mean, they're catchy songs, and Christmas wouldn't be the same without them, to be sure. But do they express the cry of the human heart? Do they express your heart's cry? Or is there something else? Is there something deep down that each one of us needs? Is there a, an unmet longing that's more than just for the holiday a longing for something inexpressible and something that's missing? I spoke with a few people this week about their Christmas plans, and I heard the same story over and over again. Well, we canceled our plans. spoke to one person, they were planning on a trip and they were going to go with family, and well, no, the trip's been canceled. and spoke with another family. They were all going to get together. No, we've had to cancel our plans also. And, and again, this isn't about fear. This is about genuine concern for the health and safety of family members and friends. But, but it does remind us again, all I want for Christmas is what? All I want for Christmas is a cure. All I want for Christmas is a vaccine. All I want for Christmas is for things to go back to normal. The cry of the human heart isn't for presence, it's it's for presence. It's for the presence of someone else, someone who loves us, someone who cares for us, someone who rights all the wrongs and gives us hope. Maybe the answer is, all I want for Christmas is for God to show up, for him to show up, to make himself known, to let us know that we're not alone in our hurts you know, the, the virus is one thing, but I look at the people that I care about, people that, that you care about. I see what they're going through. I've got friends who are facing Christmas with chemo this year. I've got friends who are, for Christmas this year, they'll be alone for the first time due to divorce and due to failure of a relationship. I've got a friend who's facing the reality that this is grandma's last Christmas I have other friends who are realizing this is the first Christmas without a loved one. And those friends don't need Mariah Carey to sing to them. They need something solid to hold on to. Not a well-meaning, patronizing Christmas greeting. They need God to show up. And you know, it's in the middle of that kind of need. It's in the middle of that very need that we find the first Christmas. Christmas story. We find the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus did not take place at a high point in Israel's history. This was not the golden age of King David with his military victories. This was not the era of King Solomon with his wisdom and power and influence. Israel had been divided. They had been hauled off and they were they had lived as slaves and prisoners to other nations. And by the time we come to the New Testament, by the time we get to Matthew chapter 1, Israel is subject to the Roman Empire. They are oppressed. They are prisoners in their own land. And the question is, where is God? You know, you hear that heart cry in the lyrics of a song that we sang earlier this morning. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. You hear the despair in that verse. Israel is captive. Israel must be ransomed. They must be bought back. They need to be set free for hundreds of years. They had belonged to other nations. All they want for Christmas is for God to show up. Hear that need as you hear these words from Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, as you read through the Gospel of Matthew, He's always very careful to tell you how Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, the promises of the Old Testament. And you hear that here in verses 22 and 23. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, by Isaiah the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel literally means God with us. God among us, God near us, God in the middle of our mess, God feeling what we feel, God knowing our hurts. All I want for Christmas is for God to show up. And You know, in the middle of your mess, that's exactly what you need as well. You don't need the lights and you don't need the sappy songs and you don't need the well-meaning but honestly empty greetings. None of those are solid enough to hang your faith on and none of them are strong enough to hold you through your hurts and through your pains. You need something solid. Emmanuel cannot simply be a, a nice idea or a pretty manger scene. It has to be real enough that it holds you. It helps you. It it teaches you, it touches you. We find that here in the Christmas story. It's here, but maybe we haven't given it much attention. What this passage shows us is that when God shows up, the first place you find him is in the care offered to those who are hurting. We love to talk about Mary in the Christmas story, and we rightly should. She is highly favored, as the Bible tells us. We think about all that she went through—a difficult and suspicious pregnancy in her world, uh, the likely the ridicule of her own community. But too often, we leave Joseph out in the cold. He is simply a, a, an extra player in the story. You know, I, I think about it when I put together our nativity scene at home every year, and I think. Is that Joseph or is that one of the shepherds? And I have to stop and look at him carefully cuz he's got a stick and he's got the shepherd hat on and and I always wonder is that Joseph or is it one of the shepherds? It's almost like Joseph shows up and is somewhat anonymous. God chose Mary, we know that, but Understand this, God chose Joseph also, and for some very specific reasons. Verse 19 tells us of Joseph. It says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph brings more than just a father figure to the life of Jesus and to the Christmas story. Joseph brings grace. Joseph brings the character of God. Joseph is a just man. Your Bible may say it as Joseph was a righteous man. That meant that he kept the law. He knew the law of God and he kept it well. The law said that he could divorce Mary, that he could break off the betrothal and be done, cut his losses and send her away. More than that, the law said that he could make a public spectacle of her because of her failure. He could expose her sin. He could expose her shame. This is a bad person, and this is what happens to people who don't do things right. But the law wasn't the only thing that informed Joseph about what was right. It wasn't the letter of the law that he followed. Instead, he chose to follow the heart of God. All I want for Christmas is for God to show up. What's what's that going to look like? Does it look like shaming a sinner? Does it look like sending out the outcast? Does it look like adding to someone's pain? That wasn't the desire of Israel. That wasn't the heart of God. Instead, we find the heart of God in passages like Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. That's what it looks like when God shows up. Compassion, kindness, mercy and grace. All I want for Christmas is for God to show up. I wonder if there are people in our lives who actually want that. You know, that there are people in our communities who have, well, they've messed up, and they know that they've messed up. Worse than that, they not only know their failures, but they know that you know their failures, too. Small towns, small towns have long memories And there are those around us who are wounded and those wounds are decades old and yet they are still fresh because people keep picking at those wounds. What do they hear from us? When someone fails, do they hear judgment? Do they hear condemnation? Do they hear us say things and post things like, well, they should have known better. They'll never change. Because if they're hearing that and seeing that from us, then that's what they expect God to sound like. And they're not going to want God to show up because no one has brought his heart into their hurt. The law said it was Joseph's right to have Mary stoned, not just divorced, but it was his right to stone her. But Maybe Joseph didn't want to go that far. And so the law said he could divorce her. He could, in fact, humiliate her. He could make her live the rest of her life with the reality of her failure. But Joseph's heart told him to do something else. Joseph's heart said, do this quietly. Do this without the shame. Do this without pain. You don't need to reinforce her failure. And so Joseph chose to show grace as best he could. But that was before the angel spoke to him. That was before Joseph knew of God's plan. There in verses 20 and 21, but as he was considering these things, divorcing Mary quietly, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You hear those first words from the angel, do not fear. It is the most common command in the Bible. Do not fear. But here those words are for Joseph. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Do not fear to do the right thing. Do not fear to show grace. Do not fear to show compassion. Do not fear to show kindness. Sometimes I think that we withhold mercy from those who are hurting because we think they won't appreciate it if we're merciful. We think uh, they won't learn from it. They don't deserve our mercy. But sometimes I think we don't show mercy because we're afraid of what other people will say. What will they say if I don't stand firm for what is right? What, if, what will they say if I don't stand firm against this sin? And yet what our acts of mercy and what our acts of kindness and grace do is they bring God's heart into the hurt They show God's gracious. They show that He is merciful. They show that He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And what we see in the promise of Emmanuel, God with us, is not just a story about Christmas. It's not just about the manger. It is exactly what we do when we bring God's compassion into someone else's pain. We show people God's love. We show them his forgiveness. We put flesh and blood to his heart. All I want for Christmas is for God to show up. That is the need of those who are hurting around us. And if you want God to show up, bring his heart into their hurt. Joseph He's a man living out his commitments. He is command, he's a man committed to his faith. He's a, a just man. He is an engaged man. He is committed to marry his betrothed. But we also see that he is a man who is committed to God's purpose. He is committed to God's plan. Verses 24 and 25 continue the story and say, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. After this encounter with an angel, Joseph seals his commitment with Mary, no longer betrothed, but completely, completely married and completely within his right at this point, completely within his rights to consummate that relationship, to consummate that marriage. But he doesn't. He knew her not. He chose to lay down his rights to preserve God's plan. All I want for Christmas is for God to show up. There are people around us, that is their heart's cry, that is their heart's desire. But they are stuck in their sin, they are stuck in their failures, there are people who are hurting and they are wounded, and they live in a world where people just don't forget And they're afraid that if God shows up, it's going to be to punish them. It's going to be to condemn them. But that's not what Emmanuel means. Emmanuel means God with us, with us in our pain, with us in our bondage, with us in the hurt that cuts us off and makes us feel alone. They need Emmanuel. They need to know that God is with them. They need you. The problem is, You and I may need to lay down our rights to bring that to them. We may need to lay down our rights to be hurt by them, be offended by them. We may need to lay down our rights to be bitter, to hold on to a grudge. You know, there's no promise in any of those things. There's no grace in any of those things. And there's no presence of a God who is abounding in steadfast love. You can show them That love. You can give them a solid, tangible experience of God's presence. If you want God to show up, bring his heart into their hurt. And if we do that for each other, if we treat each other with that kind of grace, then we're giving each other the gift of God showing up. We're giving each other the gift of Emmanuel. I need that. And I know that you need that as well. And there is a world of people around us who need that. Let us show them the heart of God. Let's bring Emmanuel to them. The angel told Joseph that he himself would give Jesus his name. You will call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We come to our communion time every week to remind ourselves it's not about how good we've been. It's not because we've lived perfect lives. It's not because we've been sin-free. It's not because we haven't had those things that we've been guilty and that we've been ashamed of. But it's because Jesus saved us from our sins. We celebrate together, we remember together because of the greatest gift that we've received, a savior who saves us from our sins. Let's bring his presence into the lives of the people around us who are hurting, people who are trapped in their sin and shame. Let's bring Emmanuel. Let's bring Jesus. Let's pray together now. Father, we thank you for this gift. We thank you for the promise that when we had failed so miserably and so completely, you still sent your son to die for us. You still sent your son to save us. Today, as we take communion, Lord, as we break the bread, as we take the cup, remind us of the completeness of that gift. Remind us of the promise that comes not just from the cross, but from the very birth and from before the birth, from your plan, Emmanuel, God with us. Help us to bring that gift to those around us this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Find someone who needs to know that God's with them and share that message with them today just in the way that you love them, in the way you're kind to them. Let them know that God is with them, even in their hurts. God bless. Have a great week.